You're not gonna say it if somebody should. Let's talk about two time. Let's talk about bum one, yeah. Asking the questions that nobody could. Hey everybody. Where are the bones? I'm in the car. Are they in harmony? Everybody, I'm in the car. We have so much to do, so much to see. Uh, but I won't be taking the back streets. I saw Smash Mouth performed a uh, concert in these COVID times at a biker rally, of all places. Um, I found the reaction to it mostly funny because, you know, the reactions were obviously stuff like imagine getting COVID in order to see Smash Mouth. Which I saw the exact same thing for, I don't know, some other band. Some band that I feel like I could come up with the name for, but that I also try to remind myself, you know what people don't like to listen to on a podcast is when someone's trying to come up with the name for something and uh, is having a hard time doing so. So anyway, some other band that's very different from Smash Mouth, but not Smash Mouth. Uh, but also I was kind of like, I mean, it was a, a biker rally. Like that's exactly what it was. And it was clearly bikers there based on who was, you know, in the crowd and shit. And I was like, well, let's, let's be honest. Are bikers known for making good decisions? Also, I have to say that if you choose to be a like legit in a biker gang, it seems that, like, probably your life expectancy is not... The COVID epidemic has probably not put a significant dent in your uh, expectations in terms of how long you're going to live. Just seems... Seems like a possibility there. You know, I can't say for sure. I've never been in a biker gang. Or any kind of gang, really. It was always in, like, high school or something, they would always, you know, the D.A.R.E. officer would always tell you, like, oh, you know, any uh, any gathering of three or more people can be considered a gang. And you're like, okay. I'm sure. I'm sure me and my two friends walking home together after school with our backpacks with my clarinet and practice book in there, um, you know, if someone if someone decided to could say, oh, I think this is a violence gang. We better, we better make sure they're not doing violence to each other. I mean, what the fuck? Why? The things that D.A.R.E. officers told kids. It's like, why? What, what, were they, what was I supposed to do with that information? Any gathering of three or more people can be considered a gang, or any group of three or more people. Also, who decided three? I would think you could go at least five, because, like, really, what are three people going to do? Three people are probably not going to fuck shit up the way, like, five people are, right? Three people seems like uh, most most security or whatever. If you were a bouncer at somewhere and there were three guys, I mean, that seems like a normal amount to have to bounce. I guess maybe if they were all trying to beat you up or something, that would be bad. But, I mean, so would just if three guys just all decided to fight the bouncer... 
I don't see what that has to do with them coming together or something. Hanging out, wearing the same t-shirt. Seems dumb. Um, anyway. Alright, my first idea, which is kind of funny because I just spent all this time rambling, is a new thing I call How Long Till It Gets Good. What this would be is a website that does like video games, books, movies, TV shows. And it's like, how long into this do you have to go before it gets good? And, uh, you know, that number is kind of a conglomeration. It's partially populated by hardcore fans of the thing, partially by people who were not fans but were then converted to liking it. Um, can't really do the, like, nevers. I mean, we could do the nevers as just a total vote, so it's like this never gets good, but... The thing is, I feel like most TV shows, most movies and stuff, it's like if you're not in at a certain point, then you're not in. Um, but you have to reach a certain point. Like, I, I felt that way about Breaking Bad. I gather most other people did not. But for me, it took it took like two or three false starts before I was like, okay, this show's pretty good. But like the first... Maybe half dozen episodes to me are like, you know, these are good and everything, but they are so depressing um, that it's like hard to watch. You know, I wouldn't say I was enjoying it for sure. It was just kind of like you endure those episodes. But maybe other people don't feel that way about that show. They're not as depressed by it. Um so anyway, like someone like me could say, you know what, you might have to get through the entire first season. But I would say, if you do, it's well worth it. I do not regret spending that time trying to get through the first season. Or like uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. It's like, eh, look, it'll get good-ish in the second or third season. But, uh, you know, whatever. You could probably just start that one later if you really wanted to. And then go back and do the first ones as a completionist. That's your thing. But anyway, yeah, and like books. Books are definitely this way where I've been noticing. So I've been reading on Kindle and like you can see how far you are in terms of a percent. So I'm like 50% through the book. And sometimes I'm reading a book. I just read De-Evolution by Max Brooks. So it's about a, you know, Bigfoot massacre, which it says in the subtitle. But the Bigfoot massacre doesn't even start. The Bigfoot, Big Feets, Bigfoots, they don't even show up until, I don't know, a good 30% into the book, probably. And so, like, I, I don't know if they have to be in there for it to get good, but, like, come on, guys. Like, what's going on? Oh, it looks like I have to get over at some point here. This is unfortunate. Um, the Bigfoots don't show up for quite a while. So it's a little bit like... Uh, it's tricky, 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 tricky. So anyway, um, I would like to know for sure. Like someone could say, okay, you know what? Don't expect a lot out of this until you're like 30% in. And at that point, you might get somewhere. But before that, eh, you know, it is what it is. So anyway, I think this is, I think this is like a, a brilliant 
Well, I'm not going to go that far. Using the word brilliant for yourself is like a little bit crazy, right? But I just think this is a, a good idea. Oh, fucking kidding me here. Turns out I did not have to get over at all. Um, anyway, I think it's a good idea. Because, uh, you know, it would save me some time. I think it would also give me, like, as a, as a person who's like, I hate wasting my time on shit that never gets good. It would give me a good, like, goal to reach for and probably help me get through some things that I wouldn't otherwise. Because I'm like, well, you know, I'm, if I'm going to watch this show, I'm committing to watching, like, ten episodes before I'll be in. So I know that going in. So when I'm on, like, episode three, I'm not torturing myself being like, should I pull the ripcord? Should I get out? Or should I stay in? Um, another... I had another website idea. Apparently, I want to talk about website ideas because this is a podcast that's happening in 1997 or so. I remember back in that day, you used to be able to get like a magazine at the grocery store that was just basically like, here's a bunch of URLs that you can go to that have websites that do, you know, it would be like hamster dance or something, but it would just be different from that. I remember one was like a Star Trek thing with a probably five-second looped song about Jean-Luc Picard. Or another one was a MIDI version of... Um, oh, how's that Metallica song go? What I felt... Unforgiven. <laughs> A MIDI version of Unforgiven, which was, I think, the first version of Unforgiven I heard. And I was like, this song sounds really good. I bet it's pretty awesome when it's not, uh, you know, 200 kilobytes in size. I bet there's some pretty cool dynamics to the instruments and sounds here. So you could, you know, this is how you'd get to these sites. Because there wasn't, like, search engines weren't really, like, what they are. So you have to go straight to the source it's like back then you could do something like you could have playboy online and you could just as playboy be like well here's what we're gonna do we're just gonna make a url for it um we'll send it to people who subscribe and uh but you know it'll just be playboy and then 10 random digits or something dot com and uh how is anyone else gonna get there and of course now that would immediately be di disseminated but then it was like eh not so easy. Um, so that's, I guess, the mode I'm operating in. I would also like to do a, a list of things that I just would call, these are normal things that will probably happen to your body at some point. Um, because I feel like there's a lot of these things, but especially when they're embarrassing or humiliating, we never talk about it. But so then that's what, that's why everyone, everyone's like, when you're not the one afflicted, you're like, oh, I would fucking WebMD is the worst thing in the world. And then when you're afflicted and you're like, well, I guess I just have to look at all the different information and then make some decisions here. So like there, but there are just some things that are normal. Um, I have two immediately on the list. One is a tonsil rock. If you've never had one of these, count yourself lucky. What it is, I think they usually pop out when you cough or sneeze, and I understand it's usually a little piece of food. 
that gets stuck in like a pocket in your tonsils slash throat area and uh, rots. And they kind of smell like sulfur and kind of like bad breath. If you cough one up, you know, and it's like maybe a third of a pea or something like that. And uh, if you crush it, it stinks. It's horrible. It's like a mucusy gray green color. These are normal. Um, I guess if they're happening to you a lot, I saw a horrific YouTube video of someone getting a bunch of them vacuumed out of their throat, and I was like, oh, my God. This person's breath, they must have smelled like a corpse all the time. But, you know, it, it happens to everyone from time to time, so you're not dying. Don't worry. The second one is uh, poops of different colors. Basically, be concerned about black poop because that usually means blood somewhere further up in the system. But just about anything other than that is okay. And this is a medical professional. I mean, if you're seeing fresh blood every time you take a dump, that's probably worth looking into. But, you know, if you have an occasional green or a gray or something like that, it's, it's fine. Don't worry about it. You just ate something that had a weird effect color-wise. But if you feel fine and you have, you know, a crazy poop every whatever, couple months or every month or something, don't worry about it. You'll be okay. This is brought to you by itsnormal.com. This kind of reminds me of um, one time I interlibrary loaned. Dee Snyder of Twisted Sister wrote, like, a book for teens about, like, you know, kind of your changing body or shit like that. And so I was like, oh, I got to see this. And it was disappointing because it turned out to actually be, like, pretty good. Like, it, it wasn't a revelation or anything, but it, he was pretty straightforward, pretty to the point, And I would say the information he shared was, like, good. He was not, you know, you'd expect from, like, an 80s kind of metal slash glam rock whatever guy to be, like, hey, go out there and have sex and, like, do this and do that. And he was, like, I don't know. Not conservative, but certainly not um, just giving everyone the green light to go apeshit or something. If you'd read that instead of Motley Crue's The Dirt, you'd be a completely different teenager who had developed. I played, uh, I don't know why it reminded me of this, but so I'm working on a column for Lit Reactor about keyboarding skills and like wondering if. Is, is working on keyboarding skills worth my time? So I spend a lot of time typing slash writing. And I was like, well, my keyboarding skills are not good. I, I know that for a fact. I know that they could be better. So, like, would working on them for, like, a couple hours make a difference? And if so, you know, what if I did, like, 15 minutes of keyboarding a day? What if I did that instead of Duolingo or... What if I did that for two weeks and then stopped doing it instead of stopping doing Duolingo for a while? And uh, so I tried it, and my skills did improve. But, like, keyboarding is a hilarious skill. Because, for one thing, okay, they, you, take, you can take different online tests, and they give you different numbers, but that doesn't really matter, right? Because I was like, well, I'll just take four tests, and if I've improved on most of these tests, then I'll know that I did get faster. Um, I won't know exactly what the number is, but I'll know I'm faster. So I did it, and, like, it improved. But keyboarding is a weird skill, because really it's like... 
it's not just the same as when I'm typing up something that I'm inventing in my brain, whether it be fiction or nonfiction, right? I'm making up the words and then it's all output. There's no input. Everything is happening inside my head and then going onto the page. There's nothing that's going from outside of my head into my head and then down on the page. So it's kind of like two different skills in my, in my opinion. I would think that one would probably speed up the other, but I also think that, like, I don't get nervous or anxiety about keyboarding. I just do better at it when I'm not really thinking about it, when I'm just thinking about what I have to do and not thinking about keyboarding. Like, where are my fingers? Which key is it on? You know, if I was in the middle of typing and you just froze me and then said, which finger or which key is your key finger on? I'd be like, I have no fucking idea. So I came across this game. So there's a, a game, I'm going to call it famous, but, you know, we're not talking like Sonic the Hedgehog here. But there was a game called um, Typing of the Living Dead or something like that. And it was a educational type of game, sort of. It was like House of the Dead, which is one where you had a gun and you shot zombies in the arcade. But uh, they changed it so you had to type stuff in order to kill the zombies. So it was kind of like a speedy reaction kind of thing. And I think it made a it made a minor splash. I mean, partially just because it's weird. Um, I could not play this game because I do not own a PC. I own a Mac. So I had to play a knockoff version that somebody made instead. And I think they were like a 15-year-old teenager. Because the words that you typed were really funny. Um, not really funny, but, you know, there was a lot of, like, uh, the word incest was in there multiple times. Yokel was in there. Um, yabo, which I thought was a boob, but it turns out that's, like, a UK word for, like, a yokel, basically. So I was like, well, this is international. I'll give it that. Uh, the word zealot was in there, although I think it was misspelled. Z-E-L-O-T. Which, at first I was mad about, and then I was like, well, I guess if you're keyboarding, it doesn't even fucking matter if the words are spelled correctly, does it? Um, it's really just about hitting the keys, so in fact, a misspelled word is just as good. Oh, X-rated was in there a lot. Which, and I didn't even put this together. A, a turgid was in there, which is a word I've only used, or heard used related to boners. I mean, that's the only use of that that I've ever heard is boner related. Oh, I'm turgid right now. Um, which also, it sounds bad. It sounds like turd. Turgid turds. Band name. There you go. I know a lot. I know that's like cliche at this point to be joking about, oh, that would be a good band name. But turgid turds is a pretty solid, <laughs> get it? Solid band name for, Okay. Uh, so anyway, the words were hilarious. And then there was one zombie that was weird. Okay, so a lot of the zombies were... Um, there was, like, a zombie that looked to be in, like, a bikini or something. Although, the, okay, the zombies are so poorly rendered that it's not, like... I would not put this in a cheesecake realm whatsoever. I think, you know, and I think there's a dude zombie who just has no shirt on or whatever. And I was thinking of Max Brooks's World War Z where he was talking about how... Most zombies ended up naked or, you know, were in, like, pajamas because most people who got zombie virus or whatever would get sick. So that's how they would 
that's how they would be dressed as they were being sick and then they turned into zombies and zombies don't change their fucking clothes. So I was like, well, this actually works out logically. But there was one zombie who was kind of in like a... The drawings were bad, so it was kind of hard to tell, but it looked a little bit like a schoolgirl, like a Britney Spears baby one more time kind of thing. And then she would come on screen and she was her body was faced away from you but she kind of was looking back over her shoulder at you with this weird expression like are you looking at my weird zombie butt but then the way the character was designed it almost looked like her legs were on backwards or something and like the way she was drawn and the angle that she appeared at it was like you sh- you're looking at her butt but obviously you weren't looking at her butt Because, I mean, there was no butt or butt-like structure there. It was really weird. It was like something I would draw. Because I'd be like, I, you know, I feel like I understand human anatomy. And I could look at myself in the mirror, I guess, for reference. But, you know, when I go to draw a guy standing and then show his butt, I don't really know how to draw a butt very well. Which is funny, coming from the inventor of the game, Buttionary. Which is, you just play Pictionary, but every drawing has to start with a butt. Um, makes it a lot more fun, guys. And, you know, there's lots of variations. You could play penis shenary, fart shenary. Do you like how shenary is the word for draw things, I guess, to me? So anyway, the, the overall experience of it was hilarious. And also I was like, you know... I have mixed feelings about this because, like, typing these words is kind of weird and so on. But I found it a hell of a lot more engaging to type, like, those words or, you know, words that I was like, should I be typing this? Than I did to type uh, DK, L, semicolon, semicolon. I mean, that's the most boring shit in the world. Also, you're never going to type that. So I don't, I don't totally understand. It's kind of like Duolingo. So like Duolingo, some languages, it seems like, oh, this works, you know, and it's like giving you phrases and words and then combines them. And like, sure, I'm never going to really compliment someone on the beauty of their horses or be like, are those your cows in Spanish? I mean, it seems like there are lots of phrases that would be better. But I think the idea there is to like, well, let's just switch up the the noun. But, you know, you can be like, is that your car? Is that your blah, blah, blah? And maybe it'll stick in your brain. But when it comes to the Japanese, the Japanese version teaches you characters and their sounds. So you kind of have to match up characters and their sounds. And I'm like, nobody learns how to speak a language this way. Like, human language acquisition is obviously from a baby is talked to and talked around and eventually they pick it up so i'm like duolingo it seems like you understand this concept with other languages but with japanese somebody missed the boat and was like oh you know just have them saying words and i can try and match them up or something or maybe spell them phonetically in english sometimes or something so that i can pick them out i don't know I don't, I don't think they thought it through all the way. Or maybe they did, and I'm wrong. But if that's the case, then I don't want to be wrong. 
So uh, I'm just going to assume that's not what happened. So, like, keyboarding, it works, but I don't know. Is it really worth it? Is that And is that, like, what slows most of us down? I mean, if you're writing, like, a thesis or some shit, is the problem that you're like, my keyboarding skills are not fast enough? Of course not. It's A, sitting down and doing it, and B, knowing what to write when you're sitting there and doing it. It's not, like, the speed at which you can write those things. It's the, uh, what the hell am I going to write today? There's a garbage truck in front of me with what appears to be spare tires on it. But the spare tires are so comically tiny that I cannot possibly imagine that they would fit on this vehicle. And they have three of them. I mean, how many fucking spare tires do you need before you're just like, you know, if you've gone through three goddamn tires on a, on a run, like, we'll just come pick you up. We'll come and tow it. Three, though, I guess, is where they said, yeah, if you've had three three spare tires you needed. I imagine there's a reason for three, but I don't know what it is. Maybe this isn't a garbage truck. I don't know. Some kind of truck, though. With three spare tires. All right, what's next on this list here? Oh, I saw a slanket online, you know, like one of those snuggy blankets. A sleeved blanket that your head goes through. Um, and this is the best one I've ever seen, and I feel like hasn't gotten its due. Because, you know, we all laughed about these when they came out, and we're like, they're pretty funny. And then those of us who have tried them are like, this is pretty awesome. I am quite comfortable when I'm wearing this, and uh, I see its appeal. Um, but then, you know, they, they've continued to come out, and I feel like most people haven't talked about them since. However... Uh, I found one that is a Spider-Man slanket, and it has, like, drawn-on Spider-Man muscles. So, you know, it's basically a picture of Spider-Man and his muscles. It's kind of like the uh, like the old Ben Cooper costumes you used to get for Halloween, where it's like, oh, yeah, He-Man has a drawing of He-Man's body on a smock. And, uh, man, they must have made so much fucking money off of those things. I mean, I liked them and sort of still do like them to this day. But has there ever been a like better return on your investment? I mean, how cheap were those to manufacture? And then what they get back for it? It costs nothing. And each costume is almost identical in terms of like the bodysuit part. It just has a different print on it. Same size. Same color. Same whatever. You know? And it just fucking stamp it so anyway this uh slanket i just i found it extra funny because it's like so you've got a a blanket that you're wearing as a shirt sort of like basically you don't want to leave the comfort of a blanket even for the time it takes to walk into the kitchen and get a snick so what you've done is to create a head hole and sort of armholes on a blanket all right makes sense it's kind of funny to me that it seems that it took us this long to come up with that idea i mean basically everyone just wrapped it around and whatever i mean maybe maybe it took us this long to come up with the idea or maybe it just took us this long for you know society to crumble to the point where we're like ugh because you know i suppose if you're like in the fucking 1800s and you're churning butter 
and you're like, listen, holding a blanket on my body is not in my top 50 things that I'd like to find some other mechanism to do. I let's let's work on some of this other shit. Uh, for example, I don't have any kind of gizmo that like tells me what time it is in the morning. Like, you know, if there was some kind of device that could make a noise and wake me up when it's time for me to wake up, that would be pretty cool. Like that would make a lot of sense to me. Uh, I don't know what an automobile is, but you know, someone is signaling from the side over here that I should ask for that. <laughs> um, so the thing is though, is like, I can see, I can see where it came from and I can see the use of it. It makes sense to me. What doesn't make as much sense is like, okay, now I feel like we've taken it too far when we're drawing muscles onto it. I feel like drawing muscles onto it is a little bit like, come on, guys, why are we pretending this is anywhere remotely, you know, me wearing this slanket is anything like me being like Spider-Man in any way. You know, uh, oh, my body. I'm going to fool everyone with this muscular fake body into thinking that not only am I like muscular, but I'm not so lazy that I have a blanket that I can wear as a garment. Seems a, seems like a stretch for me. Uh, next was a, an item I saw on electronic bay. I was looking at, I don't even know. eBay is a great uh, rabbit hole site. Um, I got into it. I was looking at Cheetos that look like, and that's what I put in as the search, or Cheeto that looks like. Get some good stuff. Might We might talk about that more on this show. But uh, the, real, the real thing about them is hilarious is the prices. I mean, you'd be amazed. I wouldn't pay $5 for a Cheeto that vaguely looks like Bigfoot. Um, nor if someone told me to list one on eBay would I be like, I don't know, $2,000? $100? I mean, I'd be like, well, okay, here's what we'll do. I'm going to charge like a dollar and then $5 shipping. And then we've made our cost of the Cheeto bag back plus a buck. And then what I'll do from there is... uh use that to buy more Cheetos. So I was on Electronic Bay looking at, I think, Halloween stuff, and there was a statue of the Bride of Frankenstein, and it was like a semi-sexy like statue, I guess I would say. And it said, um, the description was like, the Bride of Frankenstein as you've always wanted to see her. And I was like, first of all, Whoever put this up, sir, um, I've never really thought about the Bride of Frankenstein as like, well, first of all, the Bride of Frankenstein is a fictional character. So it's a little bit like saying Velma from Scooby-Doo, as you've always wanted to see her, except it's not even like that, because it's sort of like Bride of Frankenstein is like different depending on the iteration, right? It's not always the same thing. It can be a different thing depending on who's making the movie, the comic book, the what have you. 
so you've got Bride of Frankenstein, and then it's like, as you've always wanted to see her, which I'm like, so apparently there's a group of people who've always wanted to see Bride of Frankenstein nude or semi-nude. <laughs> which I was like, I mean, I don't know if someone was like, oh, there's a cut of Bride of Frankenstein where the Bride of Frankenstein is like totally nude. I don't know. I would be repelled by that or be like, I would have some questions and be like, how did that happen? Why? What was the plan here? But I don't think I'd be like, finally, the world has been hungry for this for so long. Nude, semi-nude bride of Frankenstein. Um, let's see. Oh, I saw two other things that infuriated me. One was, one was a handyman truck, and the service on the side was advertised via a decal or maybe via a decal or a magnet. And it was the service was called Handy Andy, and then it had a phone number, and then it said, Ask for Bill. And I was like, What? Why did, would you call? It appeared to be like a home based business. You know, this is probably a one man operation. And I'm like, Why would you call your thing Handy Andy? And then say, ask for Bill. It's like, so you've got two words in your name of your service. One of them is a name. And it's not your name. I mean, what the fuck? It's not like Ray Kroc said, let's call our restaurant McDonald's. And then below it on the sign will say, ask for Ray Kroc. Ask for Mr. Kroc. You know what I mean? Like, you just you come up with the one thing and just go with it. Yeah, it doesn't rhyme, but do you think that's what's going to help everyone? And if they search Handy Andy online, are they going to find Bill? Or are they going to find someone who called their service Handy Andy, who's probably named Andy? This was... that. There needs to be better uh, markings for when you've got an island on like a street, you know, and so you need to, like you're making a left turn, you need to go out further and get back in. Also, um, I had a long discussion about roundabouts. <laughs> it's funny, like, when I, I didn't think about this, but then when I said it out loud, I was like, you know, you are old. Because this is the kind of thing that like, uh, your mom would run into another mom at the grocery store and they would be talking about a new roundabout in the neighborhood. And you'd be like, oh, what the fuck? Like, nobody cares about this. Shut the fuck up. And then as an older adult, you're like, I am kind of interested in the pluses and minuses of the roundabout versus the four-way stop. I'm generally pro-roundabout. Because I think um, a roundabout is better than a four-way stop. And it's definitely better than a two-way stop. Um... I do think it's like, okay, they're safer. And uh, when people say that, I think, yes, I think the roundabout probably does prevent fatal accidents. Because I think uh, when, when I was growing up, where I live is pretty rural. So, like, a lot of the accidents that happen, the fatal ones, would be there's a two-way stop or a four-way stop kind of in the country. And uh, some people would be in a car. And either the people in the car would uh, not realize it was a two-way instead of a four-way, and then they'd get plowed. Or the truck would not realize it was a four-way instead of a two-way and uh, would plow someone. Uh, 
those were like the primary. There were like four kids in high school, maybe a year above me or two, and um, they all got killed in an accident like that. I'm sure this is a common tale amongst, you know, high schools or whatever. But uh, we were talking about roundabouts, and I tended to agree, which is like, hey, you know what sucks about roundabouts is what they'll do is they make a roundabout, but then they put a big mound in the center, and they'll put like a sign or a uh, bunch of landscaping, and then you can't see around the fucking roundabout. And you're like, well, this is a lot easier. Like, you'll notice a lot of them, you know, oh, it's so European, and they've figured out the world. But I'm like, if you look at the ones on Europe in Europe, they're often there's just painted lines. Like you could you could in theory go straight through the roundabout. There's nothing physically preventing you from doing that. Um, now I don't know if that's gonna work so well in the states because I think most people would come up to it and be like, what kind of funky four way stop is this? And then Poonmaster Flex was telling me about um, an interchange near her house where it was like a crossover so basically you're you're on a highway and it crosses over with the road going the other way so you feel like you're on the left side um of opposing traffic which is really weird and it's like this is the only way they could figure out how to do that like there's no other way they could have figured out how to make this work but anyway we were talking roundabouts but uh, my mom told me a, a pretty good automotive story, so it's very appropriate for this situation. So she uh, drives a lot for her work, um, and especially in the last few years, off and on, she might have an appointment where it's like a hour to 90 minutes one way. Um, so, you know, she's on the road a lot, and this is my justification for why she gets the occasional ticket. But, you know, for the most part, they're not like crazy speeding tickets. They're like uh, weird tickets. And she got this ticket in a roundabout because she got a ticket. This was in, like, 2015 or something like that. Um, she was in a roundabout, and she didn't really know what to do in the roundabout. So she... Because uh, she was entering the roundabout, but she was behind a truck with a bunch of landscaping rocks in it. And they were, like, all falling out. So she was like, holy shit. So she tried to, like, fly around the truck so she wouldn't be behind it and get her windshield cracked. And then um, she was in the roundabout, and there was uh, an SUV that was, you know, like, right on her tail or something. So she was trying to get over and let them go around. And it turned out it was a cop car. Something happened where basically she pulled a move on a cop car. Um, and she was like, well, I did it because they were driving like this. And I was like, okay, but understand from their perspective, they just saw you fly around a gravel truck and then also pull a move on them. And they're like, this maniac is just like darting around everyone. So anyway, a speed racer got pulled over, got a ticket. And she was going to go fight the ticket because she was like, well, I feel like the, the way this cop acted made me do this. And also the way this truck, you know, didn't have its load secured or whatever forced me into this scenario. So I'm going to go fight it. And then I think like most of us do, as it gets closer to the time where you actually have to fight it, we we're like, eh, fuck it. Because you're like, you know, I mean, I don't really want to pay $250. I'm really mad about this. 
$250. And that $250 hurts the budget in a way $250 for, say, a Nintendo Switch does not. I don't know why. There's not a reason. It just doesn't. It's not the same. So anyway, she was like, I'm going to fight it. And then it gets closer. And then she's like, eh, fuck it. So she waited till the last day to go pay it. But she, like, went to the courthouse, paid the thing, and done and done. So cut to 2020. So it's, like, three to five years later. And uh, she she has to get an annual background check at work. Because, you know, she's, like, doing healthcare stuff and she's in people's houses and shit so it's like alright well I'm glad they're doing the bare minimum and uh, she did not pass her background check and so you know if you knew my mom you'd be like <laughs> why how is that possible because I mean I, I'm trying to think of like the most illegal thing she's done and you know that driving I guess would be her driving I guess would be uh, easily the most illegal but Beyond that, I'm like, you know, hey, somebody getting a speeding ticket or a ticket. There's a fucking road sign, one of those digital ones that says buckle up. And the font is like 12 point font. Why? It's there's a huge black space around the text. And then it's in there on just tiny. Why would you have a road sign with that much space and make the font so small? Why would, it shouldn't even let you do that. Like, if you're trying to do that, the sign should say, hey, fonts at this size are not really readable on this sign. Here's an acceptable range. <laughs> anyway, um, she's, she's a law-abiding citizen. As a Gerard Butler, Jamie Foxx movie? I think maybe that was them. Is that the one where Gerard Butler's a video game character? Anyway, uh, she's a law-abiding citizen. She's a regular Jamie Foxx. And uh, so she didn't pass it. And it turned out they were like, you have a ticket on file from like 2013 that is unpaid. And she was like, well, first of all, I paid that. But secondly, and very correctly, she's like, I've had like three background checks since I got this ticket and nothing came up. Also, I've been pulled over and gotten another ticket in between now and then. And, you know, the police officer didn't say anything so what the fuck well it turns out here's what happened she had in fact paid the ticket but it turns out that what has to happen is the uh courthouse or wherever you pay the ticket has to send like a cancel letter to somebody like the law enforcement agency or whoever does something they have to send like a actual notice to cancel so when my mom goes back to the place uh, where she paid the ticket, they're like, oh, yeah, sorry about that. We didn't send the cancel thing, but I see in my records here you paid. Which I'm like, this is uh, step one for the system breaks down. Because I'm like, shouldn't you guys get like a report of things that are, it's like, we see that this is paid, but the cancel wasn't sent. I mean, sh that should be automatic, by the way, if something's paid. And maybe there's not a reason that it's automatic. I could accept that. But there should probably be, like, an error report that's like, so this was uh, paid two months ago and is still showing as active. What's going on? But then um, you're like, well, why didn't this pop up for, like, three years? Why did this not pop up till now? My personal theory was I think maybe in this pandemic times 
Uh, a lot of people are getting caught up on some fucking paperwork. <laughs> a lot of old paperwork getting accomplished right now. Which uh, was a popular theory uh, at the dinner table. And you're like, yeah, it seems entirely possible. I was like, thank you. I mean, it would have been nice if by getting caught up with paperwork, they were doing it correctly. But, you know, whatever. So she ended up having to go to, like, some different spots. And she ended up having to go to the DMV. Because her license uh, was canceled, basically. Um, by the way, she started this story by saying, I've been driving on a expired license for like three years and I was like how's that even possible but it turned out it was expired but no one knew no one knew including the police or the uh, DMV which is also when I was like wait a minute if you're driving on a driver's license that is not valid because of a moving violation what is even the point of the police taking your driver's license like why if that isn't what if that's not the information that they're discovering when they take your driver's license, like, hey, you have this outstanding thing that would cause you to fail a background check, why are they even doing it? But anyway, so she had to go to the DMV to get her license reinstated. And when she got there, they were like, well, uh, so your license isn't, like, uh, expired. It's canceled. So you have to retake your driving test. And also you have to first get a learner's permit. <laughs> so my mom got her learner's permit. <laughs> and then she had to get her driver's license. And she, had, she was like, I had to take the written test. Um, and she's like, and the first time I took it, I failed it. And I was like, what? Like, what kind of questions are on there? And she was like, well, some of the questions are, um, you know, you're going this fast. How many feet should you allow to make a complete stop? And it was like, okay, I don't, that, that is probably a difficult question. I mean, it's multiple choice, and I'm assuming it doesn't force you to do actual physics math. But whatever. It's like, uh, you know, if they say a car length for every 10 miles an hour, so I'd probably be like, all right, so maybe like 10, let's just call it 10 feet for every 10 miles an hour. Seems probably like what the DMV would want you to think. But, uh, so she failed it. Also, there was another question, which I was like, oh, mom. Because it was like, uh, you're exiting the highway, and you're going 65 miles an hour, and the exit ramp has a posted speed of 35 miles an hour. Uh, when should you begin decelerating? And she was like, I thought you were supposed to sort of start slowing down and then get in the lane. Because she's like, what are you supposed to do? Just immediately be going 35? And I was like, no, you stay the highway speed until you're on the ramp. That way you don't slow down the entire highway. And I was like, oh, mom, mom. But I, I'm kind of with her in as much as, like, uh, the sort of ways that they tell you to drive in these tests and whatnot is like, well, look, obviously this is how you would drive in an ideal situation where you're... Uh, I don't know, where everything's great, but it's like, look, you're in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic, and you're going 40. Do you think somebody is really... You're never going to have four car lengths between you and the car in front of you. Somebody is going to slide in there and probably give you the finger as well. Um, the giving you the finger part's not really important, but the, you're just constantly going to be braking because people are going to be sliding in there because that's a lot of space. Anyway... It's the highway is too crowded. That's the problem.
That's Pete's old man complainy assessment about the highway. So she <laughs> she fails the test, and they they were like, "Do you want a booklet?" And you can get these booklets, you know, and then study for the test. Um, so she studied and then retook the test and passed. And you know, so now she's like a a real driver again, even though she was never not a real driver. Um, she was only not a real driver by technicality. But the worst part of the whole story, the part that I don't like as much is like, so she had to go and they had to confirm, oh, they fucked up the paperwork. Okay. Then she had to go and uh, go to the DMV and stuff. And by the end of the day, this ended up probably costing her like 150 bucks. Oh, she also had to take a driving test, like an actual get in the car and drive with an instructor test. Which she's like, they literally had me drive, like, around a, the block, you know, and come to a stop, and that's it. So it's like, could you handle a car? And I was like, well, wait a minute. You didn't even know your driver's license was not valid. So you drove to the DMV, right? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, okay. So, I mean, I know they want, they have to give you a driving test. But if they give you a driving test that's like that, I mean, what? Couldn't they assume that you could physically handle a vehicle if you showed up in a vehicle I know it's not like maybe you don't really know what's going on at like a, an intersection or something but or a roundabout or a highway entrance but if they're not going to test you on that shit anyway then who? what's the fucking point but um, anyway so now she's a, a new driver and her birthday's coming up so I'm looking forward to buying her like a sticker that's like, you know, new driver. So I'm learning. Please, please take it easy on me or something like that. But yeah, it was, it was just fun. And, you know, it was fun to be like, you know, they grow up so fast, your mom. It's like these moms, one day they're your mom, they're driving and going to work. And the next day they've regressed to being a 15 year old with a learner's permit. <laughs> And I, you know, it was, it was just so good. Like it was so delicious sitting there at the table saying things like, well, I hope that while you were on your permit, you weren't driving around a bunch of your goofball friends. You know, that's not what you're supposed to be doing. Eyes on the road, two and 10. Hope you weren't eating in the car. That's a distraction. You pull over and you eat and you know, enjoy your meal and then you get back on the road. Mom. So that was that was her odyssey with uh, driving. It was funny because it was reminding me too of uh, when I took my driving test. I remember the questions that were hard for me uh, were the alcohol questions because at at the time when I was getting my driver's license, I guess that was like the big push. It was like, oh man, there's a lot of DUIs. I think when I was driving, so it would be like the late '90s. It was that was kind of the time of like. Uh, when DUI became a thing that it was like, oh, the cop would pull you over and be like, I'll follow you home and then whatever, to being like, uh, you know, like some dude just fucking plowed into a family going the wrong way on the interstate, right? Like, this is kind of a big deal. If we could stop this, this would actually solve a lot of problems. So, it, it you know, it turned into a thing. So I feel like they were trying to reflect that in the testing. So there was a lot of questions about, like, what an acceptable blood alcohol level was and like how much could you drink to reach that level and so on which 
as as an older person, I've quickly learned like that doesn't mean anything. Because it's like, well, look, if the kid sitting next to me, I mean, when I was 16, I probably weighed like 90 pounds. And so and there was very likely a kid sitting next to me who weighed 250. And it's like, I mean, I think that kid could probably put down two beers pretty easy and not be wasted. If I had half a beer, I'd be super drunk. But also, I was kind of like, you know, really, they should just kind of eavesdrop on the class. And when I'm like, well, how much is, I don't know how much a beer is in ounces. And I don't know, like, what's a normal amount of beer that you drink at a party? How many beers do you have to drink to have fun at a party? Because I've not been to a party where there was beer. So I, I, have no, I have no frame of reference for drinking or having fun with people and having beers at the same time. Like, I don't, I don't even know what a crazy answer would be. If I was like, if someone said, oh yeah, you drink like nine beers, I'd be like, oh, okay. Be like, that seems like a lot of liquid, but I mean, I guess if, if put to the test, I could drink nine Cokes in a night, so, all right. Um, but you know, if they'd also said, oh man, one beer and I'm fucking hungover for days, I'd be like, yeah, I can see it. You know, you're a young man. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. So they could have just eavesdropped on that and been like, look, this kid ain't going to no beer parties. I think we can just go ahead and we could just go ahead and give him a driver's license. He's not going to be driving drunk anytime soon. Um, so with my moms, I guess they've gotten more into the technicals of like how close should you be or something, which that's what I remember, too, from my motorcycle class. So when you get your motorcycle license, you have to take a written test and a driving test as well. And uh, it's pretty hilarious because I think I was the only person in that class who wasn't already driving a motorcycle. I mean, apparently you can buy a motorcycle without having a motorcycle license. It doesn't seem like you go to the Harley dealership and they actually check that you have a motorcycle license. <laughs> it's sort of like a weird gray area. Because, I mean, I guess, I don't know if the car dealership is like, uh, I need to see your driver's license. Maybe. But maybe not. I don't know. And then does the motorcycle place say, like, we need to see your motorcycle license? But, I mean, you pass the test, you pass the class, and then you go into the motor, uh, the DMV. Where I saw, I, by the way, I went, like, the day after I passed my test, because it was on a Sunday. And I go the day after, and I think there were, like, three people from my class in there. Because everyone's like, fuck yeah, I'm going to get this license. And the rest of them, I assume, never did it. But they give you, like, a paper that they say, like, all right, here's your endorsement that you passed the test. And they're like, this is not stored digitally anywhere. So keep this for the rest of your life. And I was like, uh, okay. That seems weird, but all right. Um, the motorcycle test, though, had a bunch of weird shit in it. Like, for example, you know, it was like, uh, what are the safety checks you do before you uh, start the motorcycle? So they have their T-clocks, their, like, uh, acronym-type thing for all the things you're supposed to check, which nobody does. That You know, it's like, it, look, is someone going to check the tire pressure on their motorcycle every time they get on? I don't think so. I checked it probably every week, which is pretty fucking good. Um... And then there's uh, other stuff like, you know, there's the procedure for starting the motorcycle, which I was kind of like, 
Well, listen, if you don't know how to start the motorcycle, what are the chances are that you're going to need to? <laughs> I mean, do you need to, do you need to know how, if you don't know how to start it, why are you getting a motorcycle license at this point? That seems crazy. Um, you know, and like which way the gears go and all that stuff. And I was sort of like, these seem like questions that, I mean, you're not going to, you're not going to get caught driving a motorcycle without a license. If you don't know how to do, if you can't get out of first gear, I don't think you're getting too far. But then there were a lot of questions too, like what percent of the braking is from your front brakes and your rear brakes, which are like those questions from tests. I remember from school that I hated because they feel like questions that are designed to make a point. So it's like, well, we want them to understand that using the front brakes is very important and that they should use their front brakes. So let's, let's do it this way. And I was always kind of like, guys, give me a break. Like, I get it. Just, you can tell me like, hey, listen, 70% of the braking on a motorcycle comes from the front brakes. And I'd be like, okay, okay. Uh, I will use the front brakes then. Sounds like a plan. But you don't have to, like, test me on that. And also, it's like, do you need to know the exact number? Couldn't you just say most? Uh, if you were going to use one brake to stop, which one would you pick, front or rear? Be like, okay, that makes sense. But do you need to know, like, the exact distances and shit? That seems crazy to me. So, I don't know. These driving tests, I just sort of feel like are... It's not really a driving test. I feel like maybe the driving test is just a scam. And what it is is it's a scam to support the uh, driver's education business, which, by the way, is how my mom had to take her test. She had to, like, contract with a, you know, private driving school to do the test because uh, the DMV is not doing that right now, I suppose, with COVID. Or maybe they don't do it at all anymore. I don't know. And I also did wonder, because, you know, she was like, well, they only, like, they had me go around the block. It was worthless. And I was like, well, maybe they saw that you're, like, in your 60s and you've been driving since you were 16. You know, you've been driving for 50 years. And uh, when you told them what the fuck was going on, they were like, okay, so this is just some bullshit. Like, I don't know. I'm not going to put her through the ringer. She seems fine. She seems to have enough visual acuity to continue driving. That's really all you need. But yeah, maybe maybe it's all just a scam so that these driving schools can stay in. Driving school is a great idea for somebody because it's like, well, listen, if, okay, young people don't want to teach their parents how to use computers and old people do not want to teach their kids how to drive. I think I'd be a pretty good at, uh, you know, sometimes I'm not thinking I'll have kids, but I like look at the list of things that you would have to do as a parent. I think teaching a kid to drive I'd be pretty good at. I'm a pretty relaxed person. And uh, I would assume that I'm not going to own a car that I'd be like, oh my god, can you imagine if they dented this? My life is over. I'm pretty sure that any vehicle I owned I'd be like, I mean, if you could not scrape the entire side along a brick wall for over 400 meters, that'd be good, but yeah, I'm not picky. You do you. But I think I think I can handle it. And then it would be good, too, because if you were good at it, then you could throw it back in their face when you're like, how, show me how to snap a chat. And they're like, I don't you know. Oh, God, Dad. And you're like, hey, 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 I taught you how to fucking drive. You can teach me how to do Snapchat. Take you 15 minutes. 
then I'll ask you questions. And then, yes. you Okay, yes. I will be sending you obnoxious Snapchats for possibly the rest of your life. Um, I will be sending you Snapchats that you hate, you know, decades after people have no longer used Snapchat. But, hey, come on. This is the price. This is you should have thought of this stuff before you decided to have a dad. God damn it! Somebody should. Let's talk about two times. Let's talk about bum one, yeah. Asking the questions that nobody could. Like where are the bone dogs? 